0: Ukraine, COVID, the Biden presidency, and the elections. You are listening to the John DePedro Show.
1: folks, good afternoon on this uh, very warm Monday. My goodness, you just heard the forecast. You're listening to The John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. This, uh, this hate wave, it's not your imagination. Um, boy, it really just continues. And uh, as much as it's just so oppressive heat, like right now it does feel... Uh, It depends on where you are, but it can feel uh, over 100 degrees. So very, very warm out uh, without question. This portion of the program is watched by the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. Folks, whether it's lunch or dinner, uh, you're going to love the Lodge Pub and Eatery. Plus, you can sit outside. A little challenging on a day like today. Uh, But they do have the outdoor air conditioner. So you're going to love it. The Lodge Pub and Eatery. 40, Breakdick Hill Road in Lincoln. So let's get you up to speed on some of the news of the day. And uh, locally, as I mentioned, they're, uh, still you have a combination of, you know, I think in some ways, even the local media is a little stunned that speaker-in-waiting, Kevin McCarthy, that he um, came into the area on Saturday for the Mayor Alan Fung and some of the opponents for Mayor Fung are certainly going to town and upset about that. And then you also have um, some members of the media are upset that he ended up giving the um, gave an exclusive. They, uh, Channel 10 got the exclusive on it. So, so as much as people might not fully want to acknowledge that. Uh, It definitely comes into play. It comes into play. Now, Channel 12 has a story why Rhode Island is the only state that marks Victory Day. (laughs) Like Dell's or Gatsby Bay Parade, Victory Day is one of the ocean state's unique summer traditions. 74th annual Victory Day. And we are the only state in the country. Um, So I want to just hear the the, uh, Channel 12 piece on this. Here we go. It's a
0: legal holiday in Rhode Island and only in Rhode Island. It's Victory Day, marking the end of World War II on August 14th, 1945, when Japan surrendered to the Allies. Spontaneous celebrations broke out across the country as Americans marked Victory Over Japan, or VJ Day. The war had had a huge effect on Rhode Island. More than one in ten residents served in the armed forces. Factories from Woonsocket to Westerly supplied the war effort. And three future presidents trained in the Ocean State, John F. Kennedy, Richard Nixon, and George H. W. Bush. So in 1948, state lawmakers declared it a permanent legal holiday, Victory Day. Arkansas also created a state holiday to mark the end of the war, but they got rid of it by the 1970s. That left Rhode Island on its own with annual commemorations like this 1995 one in West Warwick. By then, the holiday was a source of controversy because even though its legal name was never VJ Day, many Rhode Islanders still called it that. In 1995, one a film crew visited from Japan to try to understand the persistence of the holiday. Which some in their country saw as celebrating the destruction caused by the atomic bombs.
2: Yeah, actually, uh, we don't get it. Why only, you know, say the Rhode Island
0: We're still keeping it and uh, why the other states have abolished the holiday. Lawmakers have tried to quell the controversy, including with this 1990 resolution that called it erroneous and offensive to refer to the holiday as VJ Day. In the end, however, traditionalists have won out for reasons one veteran summed up after a 2014 Victory Day ceremony. We celebrate it, however morbid it is, because of their lives that were, uh, that were happy to be taken. But uh, it was
3: necessary because, in the end, to save many, many, many lives.
0: With World War II now more than 70 years in the past, the ranks of those who served are dwindling. According to the National World War II Museum, of more than 92,000 Rhode Islanders who served in the war, barely 2,000 are still alive today. For WPRI.com, I'm Ted Deasy.
1: Well, the real reason, folks, and again, good afternoon at uh, 111 on this Monday, and it is VJ Day, Victory Over Japan Day. Um, it, it's actually pretty simple. It's so the state workers get a paid holiday in August. Right. And, and in some ways that is good for the economy because all the, you know, the beaches are crowded today. People have the day off. Um, they're not going to take away a paid holiday for the state workers. So that's that's really what it is. Um, people can speculate of different things, but I don't I mean, we, we know that's. It, to me it kind of begins and ends there they have it um so even if they want to move into you know calling it different things i i think i remember when during the uh uh Dupree administration some businessmen came in from japan and everything was closed and then they uh said that that they um you know, how come everything's closed? And they said, oh, today is Victory Over Japan Day. So then they changed it to just Victory Day. But they're, they're never going to take away the uh, paid holiday that they now have that the state workers enjoy. I mean, that part is, I mean, it's just, it's never, they're not going to take that away. So that's, you know, whatever the reason of how it started. But that's really what it is. And it's not, a, it's not a bad thing. There are a lot of people that are working today. Um, some things are open. Some things are not. But what it really comes down to is it's another paid holiday for the state workers. And I, I'm not, by the way, I'm not even saying that it's, it's a bad thing that we have it. And I could even make the argument for the people that, you know, there was some time that it would would be better for the economy if Rhode Island schools went back after Labor Day. Just to get, because there were people that used to rent and get a beach house for the final week in August, and then, you know, you get the longer weekend, and it would, now, everybody goes back before Labor Day. So, you know, all of those business businesses in the southern part of the state it certainly helped them be a boost if they could get that final week of a lot of business if they could get the you know the final week uh and especially for that weekend you had a lot of people that um that as i said they used to traditionally take that final week and then they get the nice long uh weekend leading in over labor day and now you don't have that. So it would actually be better for the Rhode Island economy, those that are near Narragansett and Newport and anyone that depends on the summer season, they'd get that last big week and, you know, be a nice juice for them. And it does make a it does make a big difference. It's kind of when, uh, you know, kind of like Christmas shopping sometimes. When, when uh, Christmas falls on a Monday or Tuesday and retailers get that extra weekend that people can go shopping, it um, it, does make, it does make a difference. So I think, um, I, I, I don't know. I, I remember why they started going back before. Um, if anything now, you know, and then kids are getting out later. But think about this. You used to get out. Before you'd go to school after Labor Day, and then get out before you know, sometime in in um, mid mid to late June. I never, you know, my birthday's June nineteenth, and I never, I never went to you know had to go to school on my birthday. So, um, so but it you know when you go back to that has kind of now been eliminated. Uh, the whole element of where people in a lot of uh, rent, uh, those that rent beach houses, that they used to get that extra plug of the people renting the week of Labor Day. And now, as a result of that, they they don't do that. I want to play, this was yesterday on this week. Um, and it has to do with the midterm elections and also- Biden and that Cheney ad that is negative on uh, President Trump. This was yesterday on This Week with George Stephanopoulos. Trump,
0: he tried to steal the last election, Here using we go. lies violence to keep himself in power after the voters had rejected him. He
1: is a coward. Liz is fearless. Well, that's if his that's daughter. She's gonna lose. Nothing more important she ever Listen, do. this is not the Cheney-Bush never,
2: sure. never again
1: oh, Republican Party anymore.
2: Big Cheney blasting Donald Trump in a campaign oh, ad. primary next
1: week, could run Cheney enough. Is
2: Trump's biggest target now, he's coming off some key wins in this week's primaries. Yes. Political director Rick Klein back with his midterm no, monitor. Rick, let's start with our new poll with Ipsos. Strong jobs numbers this week, but President Biden and the Democrats still facing voters who are quite sour on the economy.
4: Yeah, George, no meaningful approval uh, rating increase for, for for Joe Biden across the board on a range of issues. He is still stuck in some low numbers. And get this, 69% of Americans still think the economy is getting worse, despite the drop in gas prices, despite those positive economic numbers. And we're seeing that spill over into voter enthusiasm. Republicans more likely to say that they are ready and eager to go vote than Democrats. And those numbers have not changed, George, for months now. But one sign of uh, something that might change going forward in the wake of that big vote in kansas on tuesday to preserve abortion rights we ask people are you more likely to support a candidate who wants to keep abortion legal or who supports policies that would limit abortion access and that is a striking number 49 percent that's almost half of americans who say that they would consider the issue and they're more likely to vote for a candidate who would keep abortion legal in their state Uh, that suggests that look well the economy is a drag on democrats there are other issues that come into view and if abortion is one of them democrats could see a big motivating effort around that
2: Kansas aside, Donald Trump had a big night on Tuesday. How does his record look across the primaries?
4: Uh, This was another week with a MAGA sweep. We saw it in Arizona. We saw it in Michigan. He's got big tests coming up in Wisconsin as well as with Liz Cheney's race in Wyoming. And Donald Trump's success really matters the most when it comes to the Senate map. This is what we're looking at. There are 10 seats that are likely to determine control of the Senate. Of those 10... Eight of them uh, are open on the Republican side, where you have a competitive Republican primary. And when you look at those eight states, you see that Donald Trump has won his candidate in almost every one of them. Blake Masters uh, in Arizona, the latest to join a list that already included Nevada as well as North Carolina. We have J.D. Vance in Ohio, Dr. Mehmet Oz in Pennsylvania, Herschel Walker in Georgia. Most of those candidates, like Trump, deny the legitimacy of the last election. Many of those candidates have never run for office before. So so the concern among some republicans right now george is well trump knows what a republican primary voter wants that's not the same as a general election
2: and pennsylvania georgia arizona they're behind right now his candidates
4: that's right and that's exactly the concern is that when you see that that, that polling gap begin to open up how do you overcome that when you've got trump's people on the ballot
2: Meantime, you also saw this, those who support the idea that Donald, that Joe Biden did not win the 2020 election, basically support Donald Trump's big lie, did well in some of these down-ballot races as, as well, including those who are going to administer elections.
4: Yeah, six states and county where the Republican nominee uh, for, for a statewide office that oversees an election, denies the legitimacy of the last election. That includes people like a Secretary of State candidate in Arizona and in Michigan, also candidates for governor in Texas and Pennsylvania. Those are two states where the governor appoints the next secretary of state and look this is some this is a big deal because this could easily be the biggest takeaway from the midterm election storage you've got people who falsely claim that the last election was stolen who could be in a position to oversee the next election
2: yeah that is ominous okay rick klein thanks very much
1: now again i thought that was um was pretty good was pretty good folks the midterms, it's all about the midterms. And again, good afternoon. Right now it's one twenty on this uh, Monday. I want to play some more from um, this week with uh, Stephanopoulos. And uh, especially... Chris Christie is not convinced that President Trump is going to run again. I want to this.
2: predict what Donald Trump will do. Can anyone convince him not to announce before 2022? And are you really convinced he's going
5: to run? Well, let's say a few things first. I've been sitting here for four and a half years now saying that the most important thing in the election is a candidate. More than atmosphere, more than money, candidates matter. And we're going to find that out in the fall. I think Yvette laid that out very clearly. You're going to find out how these candidates are going to perform. Right now, they're losing in these states. It's up to them. They've got wind at their back as Republicans. They should win, so they have to perform. Um, am I convinced Donald Trump's going to run for president? I am not convinced. I believe it's a 50-50 shot right now, whether he runs or he doesn't. And I think, Julie, when you say he doesn't care um, about, uh, about whether or not they can win in November, he didn't care about that right now. Because right now all he cares about is winning the primaries to show that he's so strong inside the party. But let me tell you something. If they're showing, if Dr. Oz is losing by whatever it is now, 11 points, I think yeah. it said. If Dr. Oz is losing by 11 in October, Donald Trump's going to act like he never met him.
6: <laughs>
7: <laughs> <laughs>
6: and, and how are Republicans <laughs> going to react if they fail to win the Senate in a year where it was all well, set up? John, you know how huge Republicans, are. how are Republicans you know going to react? are going Trump re-
5: takes that as a, as a referendum on him. Of course
6: he, he won't. No, no, look, Julie,
5: of course he won't. But he, he won't outwardly take it as a referendum on him. But he will know internally. That what people are going to be able to say about him and Republicans are going to be able to say about him is loser. You let us down this path and we lost. And you can count on the fact that Mitch McConnell is going to be saying that and a whole bunch of other people are going to be saying it. Here's the difference real quickly between right now and 2015. In 2015, no one took Donald Trump seriously. In 2015, they saw it was kind of entertaining, and they thought, well, we don't know if he's really serious about running or not. So he had a certain atmosphere around him, both from other Republican officeholders and the media. None of that will exist eight years later in 2023 for him, and he's going to factor that into whatever he decides to do.
1: You know, that's exactly right. (laughs) Um, Folks, something that can't be ignored is the fact that you got to remember, in 2016, CNN and MSNBC, they were running Trump rallies. Now, they certainly don't run them anymore, and, and they never would again. But he was more of a general election candidate. This time around, they're not going to take the bait. Um, here is this Yvette Simpson. I think she's terrible. But listen to her saying she thinks Biden should run again. The here we go. Uh,
2: Joe Biden has to factor in the grumblings of a lot of Democrats uh, right now. Bill Richardson aside. <laughs> uh, a lot of Democrats. Thanks, Bill. Whether he should be... Uh uh, running again. A lot of Democrats dodging the question uh, right now. What should he
7: do? I think that he should not run. I mean, I you know, his numbers are really low. Um, overwhelmingly, the poll came out that Democrats don't want him to run. I mean, when when folks rallied around him to be the president, there was the expectation that he would not run again, that he would actually empower someone to run. Who that person is going to be, I don't know. But his energy, uh, the fact that he has not been able to... You don't to say be, Kamala Harris is the heir apparent? She, she should be. I don't know that she's been positioned to do that. She should have been been positioned powerfully and and, and able to actually be a person that could lead and she's been in the back and I think that she should be empowered to be the leader. She's she's powerful, she's young, she's able to get the energy, but we've not seen her strong and I don't know why the Biden administration didn't position her that way. It has to be her because it would be an outrage to skip over the vice president, especially the first African American and Asian female vice president, but they've got to do a lot of work to get her in the seat so that we can see her powerful and that should be the work that we should be doing right now not holding together with patches of biden who is definitely battered has not kept the promises that he made in bipartisanship and getting the kind of work done that he said he was going to do know you can say. It.
1: now look at how they're already going after what also first of all chris christie is so good but what that woman ignores is they need to make her powerful um that that is ridiculous you can't Kamala Harris, the Vice President, folks, and again, good afternoon at 125. She's the problem. She's the problem. You can't make her powerful. She is not, as Donna Perry has said, she's not a serious person. She was a creation. You can't make her powerful. They can't make her better any more than, you know, the Cardinals in football can't make Kyla Murray prepare for a game. It's either in them or it's not. I want to play. This is uh, Jonathan Carl talking about it. the Republicans don't win the no Senate. Races. Here we go.
2: He sure doesn't want Donald Trump on the ballot in 2022.
6: <laughs> I mean, look, almost nobody in the Republican leadership wants Donald Trump to announce he's running before the midterms. Because Donald Trump is on a roll. Speaking of rolls, he is dominating these parties. Uh, you have candidates winning in state after state who would have had no chance without a Donald Trump endorsement, and they're winning the Republican primaries. But here's the thing, the more Trump wins, the more Republicans are poised to lose, because he is helping nominate candidates who are likely to lose, uh, coming into these races as underdogs, likely to lose races that Republicans should win. So if Republicans don't win in the Senate, there's gonna be one reason and one reason only, and it's Donald Trump. He has chased candidates out of races, uh, that would have won or had a very good chance of winning in the fall. And he has nominated, helped nominate candidates uh, who are like.
1: Folks, it's still his party. It is just, it is still his party. Period. And no one is, is can uh, make an argument any other way. He is still the force. Um, And if he, uh, every day, I hear from people, if he runs again at 24, they're with him. And I I think DeSantis is looked upon as he can wait his turn. Nice guy. Nice guy. They like him. But he can wait his turn. That's how I think a lot of people look at it. You know? Um, Not that, well, you know, Trump needs to make room for DeSantis. If he runs he's going to be really difficult, meaning President Trump, to take out, if not impossible. And what he also has been doing is has been traveling around. He's got his candidates and he's helping to get them elected. Period. Um, you know, not, not, not everything. Not everyone. But He's he's on a roll, as Jonathan Carl said. He's definitely having some success. You know, it's not ever gonna be perfect, but more often than not, his people have been winning. I also wanna play um this senator talking about uh Pelosi's trip to Taiwan. Let me just play this uh just for a moment. Here we go.
4: Of what happened in uh, Taiwan and what's happening right now to Taiwan. Let me just state this. Speaker Pelosi's trip, again, the Chinese chose to be outraged. This is on them, not on her. But was her trip worth it, given all the fallout? I think it was, Chuck, uh, because we need to be very clear uh, that China doesn't get to dictate which U.S. officials go to Taiwan and when they go to Taiwan. As you know, we send congressional delegations uh, frequently. A former Speaker of the House has been uh, to Taiwan uh, in the past. And what President Xi decided to do was manufacture a crisis uh, over uh, Pelosi's visit. He's got, as you know, this fall, the, the Communist the Party Congress is coming up. He's seeking an unprecedented uh, third term as leader of China. And this is saber-rattling and... You Get know,
1: that sh- guy out of there. I agree. You know, they can come up and down on that. I'm glad she went. I am glad she went. Um, good. We can't allow... Just what he said, China does not dictate our policy, and i I fully get it's not of people that are down on Nancy Pelosi and so forth, but they don't they don't get to dictate that they if the, the speaker who's um, if the Speaker of the House, whoever it is an American wants to go and visit there as we have done then Absolutely, she should be, or he should be allowed to do that. And we don't worry about, uh, no. And in the end, they didn't shoot her plane down. It was a lot of threats. Now, I want to play, the guy in CNN was suggesting that um, Hunter Biden is a real problem for President Biden, not just a made-up problem. And a lot of times, uh, people just continue to dwell on it. But I want to play what Brian Steltzer said.
2: Basically says Joe Biden should not run for re-election. This has been a narrative for months, and it's getting louder and louder, including from some Democratic lawmakers saying Biden should uh, basically hang it up and say he's a lame duck and, and, and not run 2024. So where do you come down on this as a former White House aide?
8: Oh, I hope he runs, and I know he's going to run. I think he's planning to run, um, as he's said many times. Um, but look, I think that it is. This is arriving right on time. It's like uh, it's Democratic bedwetting time. Um, in 1995, right around this time, uh, R. W. Apple wrote a piece in the New York Times.
2: Wait, are you saying the media is predictable?
8: Very predictable. That we always this, do this. this. is very different. It's cyclical. different this time. Bill, Bill Clinton, Biden's Barack age. Obama. Bill Clinton, Barack Obama. So they Biden's all. Biden's
2: age makes it different.
8: Well, to you guys, but. At after you look at the week he just had and those wins that he racked up while he had COVID, I don't see. I don't see why he wouldn't run. I haven't heard the reason son? why. What about Hunter? Hunter,
2: under federal investigation, charges could be coming at any time. This is not just a right-wing media
8: story. This is a real problem for the Bidens. Could he decide not to run for re-election, given his son? Look, they make they make decisions as a family, and um, they will make that decision uh, when it's time. But you know, Do you, think they've, Do you from... think
2: they've talked about it yet?
8: No. They're, the president's doing his job. He's doing his work. He's not focused on that it's 19 months (laughs) why would he be doing that um okay so you're saying so the press is getting ahead of way uh, ahead way ahead look there's more work to do uh it's been 19 months and um you know he he intends to run like you said (laughs) but i think we i think I think the focus should be from the press on how what he is doing is affecting people out in the country. Um, Because these are things that Democrats have wanted to get done for a long time.
1: You know, that was a great question by Brian Stelzer. And the guy, to me, clearly wasn't prepared for it. Clearly not prepared. But that is a really, really fair point that they brought up. I want to dip into this was... um, the two running uh, general treasurer, James Deosa and Stefan Pryor, Channel 12 had a debate. I'll just play a little clip of this.
4: I have to point out also that...
5: The ultimate solution was giving up the system and giving it away to the state. As state treasurer, you don't have an option like that. You don't have an option where you can give it away to somebody else to manage it. You've got to directly manage it. How do you think all your right. experience really compares in that way? Okay, Mr. Diaz, respond.
3: My experience is that I've actually managed pensions. My opponent hasn't. All he's done is have a position in New York, Rhode Island, where it's the same thing, Commerce Secretary, where all he did was wine and dine with CEOs and cut deals. I had to manage a pension that really impacted people, such as firefighters, police officers. And again, it took me uh, uh, to convince the legislature, the public unions, and also our city council to say this is the right move, not only uh, because uh, we will be investing in a bigger pool of funds, but it's better managed with experts, and it gives peace and tranquility for future generations of workers to know that their pension is being managed so that we don't live through the same experience that Central Falls went through with bankruptcy.
0: I'll give you 30 seconds. You have no experience, he says, in
5: running a pension plan. 30 seconds. Well, uh, my, my point is that the experience of turning over a pension plan to the state system, that's not managing a pension plan. I managed and, and, it for, and,
3: for seven years before we turned it over and, to the and state. So and the
5: experience of that migration mm-hmm. did not remedy the fact that there were severe impacts upon the pensioners. So, so this is not always <laughs> a good option, just turning it over. And quite frankly, if you were the state treasurer,
3: if what it you to do is option, those it options. wasn't such a good option, West War wouldn't follow suit, and well, so my experience as a mayor, and also my experience being the such president a of the Rhode Island's cities and towns, I'm going to take uh, my experience of managing pensions, my relationships with all 39 cities and towns, and and really, mm-hmm. my biggest thing is that I'm going to create a go team that's going to help uh, local cities and towns if they're experiencing any issues with the pension. i sell you and, up because there have been if repeated if interruptions they, in my response. Uh, it's not a good idea welcome. to create but only okay, one pathway.
1: Gentlemen, you're talking over each other, which is not helpful. This um, <clears throat> it's an important job, and I'm going to vote for the Republican in the race. But um, God, those guys are boring. Um, it's frightening that either one of them would be the general treasurer, but obviously someone is is uh, is going to get it. Um, Folks, again, good afternoon. It's 1.35. You're listening to the John DePietro Show on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at our website, dipietro.com. Uh, I just want to check. Um, <laughs> I don't know what that is. Uh, DeSantis hits campaign trail to support Republicans in key states. So that's interesting. So you have Trump out there. Now you're going to have DeSantis out there. He is, uh, they will headline Unite and Win Rallies in New Mexico, Arizona, Ohio, and Pennsylvania. Um, He's going to help Carrie Lake. I think that's in Arizona. (laughs) Doug Mastriano is a problem in Pennsylvania. J.D. Vance is a problem. Um, Head to Arizona, campaign for Masters. Blake Masters, who's running for Senate, <clears throat> I think he's having some problems in that. Lake, who won the GOP primary. Mastriano is trying to win the Pennsylvania governor's race. That is an uphill battle for sure. That guy, he's got some problems. Um, entertaining candidate, just not sure he's going to be a successful candidate. But the other news, um, this Seth Magaziner that he's posing in front of a house that's not his that's kind of right in line with how I view a Seth Magaziner who supposedly was going to be moving into the district and now he has not moved into the district so he um, oh he was in the Dominican parade there he is Uh, With his team, as I see, who else? I see Brett Smiley in the background. So I guess they were all marching in the parade in Providence. I have some footage of that. We'll have that up on the website soon. There's him. Looks like he's in a Red Sox jersey. Um, Let me just see some of the other individuals in the background. So a lot of the people running for office were at the parade. He's got his supporters. Um, Alan Fung having Kevin McCarthy come into town was a big win. Huge win for the Fung campaign. And all they can come up with is him wearing the Trump hat when he went to the... Uh, President Trump's inauguration in January of 2017. And as someone said to me, what, what was he supposed to do? Wear a Hillary hat? Uh, I mean, that that is just so preposterous. If they think that that somehow disqualifies him, I, I don't think people view it that way. I know they don't. Um you know, I'm not voting. And there it is. I'm I'm just skimming this Seth magazine. All they do is, um, and now they're also running a uh, an old magazine, a slightly favored to win Rhode Island. That's that's not recent. That's old. That's not true. As a matter of fact. Um. But him him in front of a house that's not his is to me that's like uh, par for the course right like of course he's of course Seth Magaziner is in front of a home that's not his and pretending that it's his home so I have a feeling that this week we will be out uh, doing a one after dark a Facebook live in front of his real house as a matter of fact Smithfield police arrest Johnston man found with 400 oxycodone pills on him. Wow. Was that Saturday night? I think I saw that. Seven oh seven o'clock Saturday morning. Possible road rage incident. Followed him. Providence Smithfield threatened to shoot him. Searched him for weapons. Brown bag. 390 oxy pills. One of the officers got sick and had to be given a dose of Narcan. Officer was taken a Fatima. Wow. He had symptoms familiar with people exposed to fentanyl. Whew. Which, that's, that's a big part of that, is Biden allows illegals to come over the border and bring fentanyl into the country. Period. 100%. That's a big part of that going on. So, folks, as we look at Tennessee, that was a nice piece he did on VJ Day here in Rhode Island. Uh, happy VJ Day, by the way, one and all. Um, and and I'm, I think it's great. Now, the whole reason of why we are still celebrating it, it's really just because they don't want to take a paid holiday away from the state workers. And if Governor McKee has shown us anything, Rhode Island Governor Dan McKee has shown that uh, he's just all about pandering to the state workers. Now, you know, his people can argue he's got to do this to get elected, to win the primary. But in the meantime, look at the cost to the taxpayers. And I come back to him with these bonuses that he's giving out. $3,000 to every state worker. It is a political bribe that he wants them to vote for him. But I want you to look at the calendar. Now, right now it's one forty-two, and you're listening to the John DiPietro Show on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. And on this um, Monday, VJ Day, Victory Over Japan Day, that we're celebrating in the state, today is August 8th. Tomorrow's August 9th. Wednesday is August 10th. And that means the following Wednesday is August 17th. And then the following Wednesday is August 20th early voting starts. What? Yes. Early voting starts Wednesday, August 24th. Now, that means then you have the week of the 29th of August. And then Labor Day is Monday, September 5th. Primary day is the 13th. So early voting starts 20 days before the primary. So you go the 12th, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. Early voting starts on Wednesday, August 24th. Ridiculous. Should not be happening. I am telling you, as I've been predicting, folks, at 143 on this Monday, Victory Over Japan Day here in Rhode Island, (coughs) VJ Day. Um, there's going to be fallout after this and backlash because in in the votes that are going to be cast are in the drop boxes and they're counted in real time. This isn't the weekend before. This isn't, you know, you could vote on the Saturday before the 10th. We haven't even had like the big debates yet. Actually, we haven't had any debates yet. There have been no televised debates. Because that's not how they do the elections anymore. This is wrong. This should not be happening. This is not about equity. This isn't, there's nothing good about this. And this is, there is so many ways that you can manipulate ballots by doing it this early. And they're going to pour thousands of ballots in starting Wednesday the 24th. And it'll continue all weekend long. And then the week of the 29th. And then the week of the 5th. And you can drop ballots in that drop box up until Monday, September 12th. Now, primary day is Tuesday, September 13th. Like many of you, I like to vote on election day. In 2020, two years ago, 65% of votes were cast before. The polls open on Election Day. I am staying with my prediction that this time around, I think it's going to be closer to 75 to 80 percent of the votes will be cast before the polls open on Election Day. On Election Day, primary day, Tuesday, September 13th, Nellie Gorbea. Secretary of State, I was, I saw some people on the weekend, they were saying, who do you think wins the primary? I said, it's, who's who's running the election? Who's running the election? She's not going to lose. She's running it. It's not going to lose. She's running the election. She's going to run the election and lose? I don't think so. Nope. When she wakes up on primary day, Tuesday, September 13th, she will know Exactly how many votes she needs in order to win the primary. She'll know. And then that day, they'll have the number. They'll see where the numbers are. And then they just that day need to deliver people to the polls. But more likely than not, when she wakes up on primary day, the election will be won. What you need to do is build it in so you have a little bit of a a base or a bank So therefore, um, if for whatever reason, she has a little bit of a low turnout that they'll still have enough of a lead to hold on to it. And then try to still get people out to vote on that primary day. People will vote twice. You can vote twice. You can vote twice. There's nothing to stop people from voting twice. I know people don't like to hear that, but that, that is just the fact. No one's going to stop you from voting twice. And you shouldn't vote twice. The campaigns should not have people voting twice. But people will be voting twice. Folks, this portion of the John DiPietro Show is brought to you by the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. Listen, pop in and see them right now. If you're listening to the program and you're on 146, you could take the exit for Breakneck Hill Road. And pop in, 40 Breakneck Hill Road, and boom, suddenly you are at the Lodge Pub and Eatery. Delicious food and drink. I was there on a Friday, had the clam cakes and chowder. Sit out on the deck, a little warm out there today. But the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. So it's one forty-eight, and I want to repeat, I think it was a big win for uh, Mayor Fung. Uh, I think uh, a bigger story is the fact that Seth Magaziner, Is running a commercial where he pretends he's living at a house that he doesn't live in. Um, He should not be the candidate. They're going to do everything they can, but they're worried. First, he has to get through the primary. The next two weeks, the next... Hey, this is different. Hmm... I just saw this. uh, Neo-Nazi demonstration in the seaport prompts cancellation of Drag Queen Story Hour. Neo-Nazi group 131 again descended on Boston. This time on Sunday outside a Drag Queen Story Hour event in the seaport. Featured performer canceled the story hour due to the presence of the group. Mass members assembled Sunday afternoon outside a building, Harbor Way. Drag performer Patty Bury and friends were scheduled to put on a show for families. Tweeted that the presence of the hate group prompted the cancellation of the event. Build Online is a performance that allows children to see people who defy rigid gender restrictions. Imagine a world people can present as they wish where they dress up as real. I could just not face the neo-Nazis today. I said, turn this Uber around. Bury tweeted Sunday. I really hate that I canceled the story hour because two, progress, two protest groups were present, but I can't put myself and kids in a violent situation. Um, the, the identity of the second group wasn't immediately clear. A photo of a member standing outside the Seaport Building was posted to Twitter by the handle Waltham Night's Watch, which monitors far-right extremist area in the area or extremist activity in the area. Members are masked, large banner. Uh, in a line of uni- uniformed Boston police officers standing across from them where it been scheduled. Um, Boston police detective John Boyle said Monday no one was arrested in connection with the Seaport incident. You know, I, I, I do not support this group, but I want to just mention this. I don't, for the life of me, I don't. I don't know what to make of the um this whole thing with the drag queens what what am i missing about this what i don't i don't i don't get this whole thing that like the drag queen thing is suddenly everywhere what 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 is this i i don't get i don't get it i i freely don't get it oh wow there they are lined up all right it is intimidating the police are there. Whoever this individual is, they could have gone in. You can't have a bigger police presence. And for that group, that's now a win. Because if you back down, um, this will only now just encourage the group. So... Okay, let me just see this. Uh, Waltham's Night Watch. Want an alert? Oh, okay. they may start alerting people. People have asked to receive alerts when they're doing public actions. Hmm. That's interesting. Um, the group that showed up was the same neo-Nazis who showed up at the event, taking responsibility in their Telegram channel. Um, because there was a counter protest, a Nazi got arrested. Lots of news coverage. Officials do more action in Seaport. No counter protest. No news coverage. No response from officials. Both cases, law enforcement was present. The outcome is very different in communicating. So, uh, hmm. I think um, th- th- this thing is is definitely going to um, – th- th- this is going to come to a head-, head at some point. It's definitely going to come to a head at some point. It's 153, three men arrested – Oh, the drag queen. That was 723. This is um, National Social Club, Menfield. Um, But, you know, this is not getting a lot of attention that they showed up. That they um, showed up in the seaport yesterday in Boston. Boy, it is. Boy, that must have been hot wearing the mask yesterday. Yesterday was an impressive heat day without question. So so they canceled the drag queen story hour. I think, um, I think the whole thing is a little odd. Hey, there was another story I saw in the Boston Globe 154. They call the process heterification. Listen to this. Bachelorette parties in P-Town often destroy safe spaces for LGBTQ people. And uh, two people write this. It's the season of bachelorette parties, frequent part of the wedding industry complex. Eight out of 10 brides gather their besties to celebrate. They may wear veils and certain hats and dance, and they drink too much. They take place over several days, blah, blah, blah. Bachelorette parties are often attracted to queer spaces like gay bars and drag shows for good reason. Mostly white women are trying to escape their straight world. They don't wanna deal with the male gaze of sexual harassment when they're trying to dance with their girlfriends. They plan on being very inebriated, afraid of sexual assault. Based on research in P-Town, their presence often destroyed the spaces for LGBTQ plus people who created them. We call this process heterification, like gentrification. Heterification occurs when people feel privileged to take over the space of others. Are you, are you, I hope people are following this. Um, so they don't like this um, in any way. Heterification is about money. In our research, many drag queens say bachelorette parties are their main source of income. And that fewer people attend their shows. Just as a gentrifier is able to exercise their financial prowess to seduce a seller, a heterifier is able to buy space in a queer venue. Many gay lesbian spaces were the result of white gentrification of neighborhoods that were primarily black and Latino. But heterification is an appropriation not of space, but of culture. According to our interviewees, the women suffer from a will and grace complex. They think they can shout sheer lyrics and yell, yes, queen, because they're welcomed into gay culture. But our governor, our research shows otherwise. While heterification and gentrification are equally insidious, they gradually ravish, ravage communities by different means. Gentrification operates like an invasive species. Gentrifiers take root, transform communities to the point they become inhospitable. Um, heterification weaponizes Heterosexual behavior and breaks down queer spaces. Even though heterosexuals temporarily invade queer spaces, the incessant visitation diminishes the integrity of the space. Queer spaces are increasingly at risk of being disabled as safe havens for the community. Not that any of the bridal parties we interviewed knew they were hetrifiers. The bachelorettes, all college-educated, well-off, almost exclusively white, understood how hard the fight for gay rights is and wanted to be respectful. It's just after several drinks, many may grab the butt of a cute gay man or take selfies in front of the leather daddies as they were exhibited in some queer zoo. Many of the bridal power party participants believe homophobia they never discussed transphobia It was a thing of the past. Something older generations had to deal with. But now there was gay marriage, that wasn't a problem. One of my best friends is gay. He's never faced any discrimination, said one. This level of ignorance about the actual state of affairs for LGBTQ populations was reminiscent of white Americans insisting racism was over once we elected a black man as president. Worse than their post homophobic homophobia, when we asked the bridal parties if anyone in the group was lesbian, bisexual, or trans, the answer was a rather stunned, I have no idea. As if women's queerness was a topic best not broached. One bisexual woman in P-Town said she's often treated with revulsion by these women, taking her back to her high school days. These were the same people who were bully me in high school. Now they want to come to our party, come to our queer space and actually believe we live in a post-homophobic world. Asking bachelor parties to occupy less space is only a Band-Aid. Like gentrification, we witness a cycle of displacement. The women are displaced by rape culture, seek refuge in queer spaces, but the queers are faced with tolerating the heterosexual gays are not showing up at all. We know the end of the story because we know how gentrification works. Follow the money. Heterification will destroy queer spaces and maybe even queer culture itself. How about that? My goodness! How to keep City Hall Plaza from becoming a battleground over flags? You know, a lot of places are becoming battlegrounds over flags, much like in Borington, where they insist on putting the flags up. All right, folks. Right now, it's 159. It's John DePietro. We have a big show, a big number of shows planned this week, and um, I want you to enjoy this Monday and stay cool. The heat wave continues a little bit longer. Up next, you're going to hear the 2 o'clock news. I will be doing Facebook Live later, even in the heat. But in the meantime, happy victory over Japan Day. We'll be back on the radio tomorrow at 11. And stay tuned for the 2 o'clock news right here on The John DiPietro Show.